Welcome to the first episode of the new year on the Fitness Devil podcast. I think we're on episode 71. That's a lot of episodes. But today we bring back Sohi Lee. So, little backstory. She kind of came on in the introduction of our podcast, I think within the first like five or six episodes. But either way, she shared it and it blew up our podcast. Essentially, she got, I think, like a lifetime of like 9,000 downloads. But it really helped kick kickstart a lot of what we're doing here so it's kind of nice to bring her back and it was like bringing back an old friend we basically just caught up with each other caught up with some of the projects she's been doing including her new book and just seeing where she's at education wise and it's it's just a really good conversation about kind of her career up until this point and we dive into some topics of social media um how hard it is to build an online platform and kind of the stuff that people don't realize when you get into that that platform and just a little bit of diet stuff so i think you'll really like this episode welcome to the new year if you're one of sohi's followers share us like us review us we really appreciate all the help and enjoy shut up and sit down Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we've got Sohi Lee coming back. Sohi holds the record for the most downloaded episode we've ever had, and this one is in the low 70s. Um, It only makes sense to bring back our most popular guest. Spencer Nadolsky tried to best you. What was it? Low 70s? Low low 70,000? He was like Uh, 7,000, I think. Spencer was around 7,000. Your episode is over 9,000 downloads all time. But Spencer took a run at you, and what we did is we mentioned it in this podcast, and then your episode got about <laughs> at least 1,200 bumps. so funny. <laughs> right? And so we mentioned yours a bunch of times. Like, obviously, Brett was on recently, and so we mentioned it again. Yeah. And, yeah, so it just – yours keeps going and going and going. So it's, it's our most good. popular ever. Uh, I, so, I can go back and listen to it, too. Give it a few extra bits. <laughs> we, we all – that was, like, a year ago, like, and we sucked. <laughs> and I don't even think the audio was good. Like, that's what I mean. This yeah. is – when that was or what we talked no. about but it must have been decent well it was the title was making moderate cool right so uh, yeah yeah okay. yeah moderation cool uh and what was it say oh yeah so you were actually here in september so we got to hang out uh you uh me spencer and everybody else who was at that uh event it was really called martin mcdonald eric helms who if you guys are listening to this now eric helms would have been the last episode we released and that was really amazing so hopefully you guys check that out but uh let's see we really introduced your education, your background in the first episode, so uh, it's easy for anyone to find more information about you. If someone's finding you for the first time, which is mind-boggling to think that somebody like, who's this Soki Lee person? Like, where'd she come from? <laughs> There's lots of information out there, guys. Depends Just hit on the circle you're running in, I guess. True. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so, you know, as someone who has had a lot of fitness industry success to date, uh, what do you feel like the catalysts are to what you've achieved and the key ingredients to fit pro success in general, and what pitfalls can derail a promising career. Sure. Okay. So I guess the first thing is how you decide to define success, because that's going to be different for everyone. So for some people, they just want to gain a bunch of followers. They want the fame. Uh, other people want money. Other people want to actually make an impact. Other people want to, like you know, image craft or whatever. For me, um, my definition of success has nothing to do with followers or money. It has more to do with 
your um, legitimate credibility as a professional as a uh, how much valuable information are you putting out there and how much of an impact are you making and how many lives are you positively changing. Those are things that I've been my focus for a long time. Um, so for me, all of my success, I would say, and I always say this and not everyone's going to agree, but anyone who's wet, read any of like Malcolm Gladwell's book will know it's like, you know, I've worked really hard, but I've also been really lucky in a lot of ways. It's been a combination of hard work and luck. And uh, I remember like a couple of years, a few years ago, I said that in front of Lane and he was like, no, there's no luck. And I'm like, no, I got pretty lucky. Like I was born in a very good family. Like that was, it wasn't within my control. And, you know, I had an amazing education. I had a very loving parents who set me off to this incredible world-class boarding school because I wanted to. And all these things have landed me, you know, gave me a really good work ethic and so on and so forth. Um, so anyways, definitely have to be lucky. Um, and for me, I think a lot of things uh, in my career were definitely not planned. It was a lot of kind of doing what I thought was moving in the general right direction. And even honestly, my first internship out of college, which was at Cressy Performance, which is now Cressy Sports Performance in Boston, um, was not planned. It was me not knowing what I wanted to do after college, um, being friends with Ron Law, who is now at Mark Fisher Fitness, but had interned at Cressy before, um, being friends with him. And he had suggested, hey, why don't you just intern there for a summer and see, what, see how you like it? And so I ended up applying actually on the very last day that the deadline. And I, I had, uh, I was like, Oh my God, please accept my materials. Like I, I, I was sitting in one of my college lectures, like frantically writing out my application. Um, and then, and then I, I got accepted from there. I just moved to uh, New York just to see what it was like or off of Connecticut. And it was just like bouncing from here, you know, making one decision after another, um, keeping at the core of my values, which I guess I wasn't, uh, aware of on a conscious level at the yeah. time, which was you know, everything I should do has to be very ethical, right? Um, and I want to be, I don't want to, I want to be charging what I, that what I, is uh, fair for my level of expertise and my uh, qualifications and so on. And I also you mean you're not going to be that business coach that tells people that they should triple the rates. You're not going to do that. No, not I still can't believe that happens. <laughs> I actually, I have a lot of, apparently there are a lot of people who are far less qualified than I am charging a lot more than I am, which is a little bit interesting. It's a, um, let's just say interesting. So anyway, um, <laughs> so over the years, it's been a lot of, um, being honestly, I think the biggest thing, and I will say this about anyone who's had lasting success in the industry regardless of whether or not you like them, the one thing that they will do well that you will notice for everyone is that they are very consistent with putting out quality content over the years. Um, and you look back at people from six years ago who maybe aren't around anymore, what, what's the thing that's changed? They, they stopped trying as hard. They became complacent. They started coasting. Whereas everyone who are, is continuing to see success, they're busting their asses still to this day. And I think that's really hard to do, especially where in this day and age where everyone thinks they can, they can be a success overnight, they can be popular and make money overnight. Um, they don't want to think, all right, what about five years from now? What about seven years from now? Are you still going to be doing this? And I think for me, what's helped is that I genuinely love all of this. I love talking about nutrition. I love talking about behavior change. I love helping um, people all around the world uh, see the progress that they finally want without negatively impacting their quality of life. That's That to me is really, really fun. And to find over time numerous different ways to offer that kind of help in the form of different products, different services, 
different free content, including podcasts like this, yeah. including infographics, including my social media platforms. That has made things really, really fun for me. So uh, I think hopefully, I like to think that over the years, um, maybe my path has kind of been obvious. It's really showed. And um, I, I think that I've offered some valuable insight here and there to where other people in the industry, especially at the time who maybe were, uh, they were learning, maybe they were learning things from and I think that's how Lane and I became good friends where um, he, I had interviewed him for a post on intermittent fasting on my blog uh, back in 2012. And from there he followed me on Twitter and he would see my tweets every now and then and he started retweeting a lot of my stuff because I would say things about um, how sustainable results are far more important than, you know, short term, anything too short term and stuff like that. And then from there I, you know, I reached out to him and I heard that he was looking for a personal assistant. He hired me. I worked for him for two and a half years. We started a podcast together. We developed a friendship. You know, trust me, you know, it really just built from there. And then stuff like that, you know, people like him and other people in the industry who um, were far several years ahead of me in terms of their career, in terms of their expertise and so on, um, saw something in me where they saw my potential. They saw that I was smart and they wanted to help me a little bit. So because of that, you know, I will say too, it on who you know as well. Yeah. Networking does not matter. It absolutely does. So they were able to offer a lot of um, mentorship. I wouldn't have gotten before a lot of uh, guidance, help nudging me in the right direction, encouraging me to go back to grad school when I was considering that. Um, all these different things added up to where I am now, where uh, you know it's really, really awesome to where I can I can call Lane any day of the week and I know he'll pick up. You know that that's a really cool relationship to have at this point and. Um, I, uh, I, it's really fun for me to be able to call him a colleague of mine and uh, to be speaking at the same conference together like we did this year, earlier this year in Australia, um, something I never would have thought before. before. So I don't know if I'm going to press something and think it went off. Oh. I'm uh, messing with my mic here. Dean, does that sound better? Sorry, guys, for the interruption. Is that better? I think it's better. I don't know. I just took headphones off. Sorry, guys. Um, I loved everything you said there because I've said this before online. Um, I first found out who you were because I followed Lane Norton for a long time. And, and I listened to Physique Science Radio, which is my first podcast I, I used to listen to. And that started something where I got onto FitCast, Danny Lennon, Sigma Nutrition. And then, you know, right. every year and a half, it's asked me to co-host one with him. And that's kind of what inspired this. So in a way, your podcast was the start of something that ended up leading to this. You almost forget about that. Like you say that, and then it's like, it seems like it was so long ago because everything's kind of changed, but that goes back to that, like, keep pushing and keep putting out content because that was like so long ago, but it really wasn't. But everything's changed. Like the whole platform changed. I always say, like, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing three months from now. Things will be completely different because I, like people are like, what is your five-year plan? I don't have a five-year plan. I just have a general mission and I hope to, I don't know how I'm going to get there exactly, but even with the podcast, I'm like that, when did that happen? <laughs> but, uh, that was a really cool experience and I'd be very much, if Lane ever was like, let's do it again. I'm like, oh sure, fine. Well, how much more schooling, <laughs> how much more experience do you have since I'm, then? I'm like, it's crazy. more this time, but yeah. But it's crazy <laughs> the experience you have since then. You know what I mean? Like, like you have your PhD now and like the amount of things that you could bring not to the table. Not oh yeah. yeah. They, does it have to be approved? It has to be approved. Um, no, so I have a master's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, degree. oh you don't. Starting my PhD next year. Okay, so you you don't okay, get to go in the realm. Um, 
What's that? You're not in the realm of some of our other guests yet, but you're almost there. Uh, I'm hoping to get there. I'm actually going to be under the supervision of Dr. Eric Holmes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a home run. Which I think to me, I would be an idiot to turn that down. Oh, absolutely. So he's been, he's been very, very, um, I know I've always loved that guy and incredibly helpful. So nice with generous with his time, especially. Um, and so we have a lot of similar interests in terms of what I want to research. So I'm hoping that it really works out. Well, and that's just it. Things are going to change when that happens. Cause like how, how much is your, how much is your career yeah. going to change being involved with that dude that, yeah. that often? Right. And, and a lot too. Um, so I will say, and I, you know, when I met with him in, in September, I had actually talked to him back in June of this year. So six months ago about, about doing this. And he was like, yeah, for sure. I'll take you on. And um, and I, we had agreed to do it and I honestly was kind of dragging my feet for several months yeah. and, uh, I honestly was kind of very hesitant because I had just graduated from my master's yeah. program and I was feeling, uh, I don't know if burnt out is the right word, but I wasn't in love with the grad school yeah. process, at least the one that specific one that I maybe is my advisor experience. Anyway. So I was like, I don't know if I, I, it was not that fun for me. And I'm gl- I'm so glad I have my master's degree. It, it's really helped me a lot in my career and actually more ways than I ever would have thought. But I was so just over it that the idea of going right back to school again for another three to four years was, I was like, oh, hell, hell no, hell, hell, <laughs> F and no. And so, but I felt like I felt very pressured to not miss the opportunity. Yeah. Work with Eric Helms. I was like, okay, I'll do it. But then I would just keep dropping my feet. So finally, when I found my September, I was like, I don't have my proposal done. It was like a fourth done. And I hadn't submitted anything. I go, do you still, I go, do you hate me, Eric? Um, so I talked to him and he goes, he goes, you know, you should really wait until you feel fully ready, mentally and emotionally ready to invest into your PhD because it's going to suck so much of your time over yeah. the next several years that you really have to be into this. And I was like, I don't think I'm there yet. And he goes, I don't think you are either. And so that honestly kind of made me feel a lot better. And, but actually now that it's December, it's been several months since then, um, things that we were talking about before the podcast, a lot of frustrations in the industry with, um, yeah. you know, first of all, it's always been very oversaturated, yeah. right? There's always been, always, and there are people on Instagram, especially I'll go and I'll find these chicks with millions of followers. And I'm like, who are you? I don't even, I've never even heard of you. How did you get, and, and I'm like, what are you known for? I don't, I don't even know. So anyway, stuff like that. And then also, you know, there's anyone and everyone trying to call themselves experts who have no business whatsoever calling themselves an expert. Um, after, you know, like zero experience in whatever field they're trying to claim expertise in, uh, charging money that like they should be charging pennies at this point. And they're anyway, anyway, um, Andrew, you're laughing. They're overvaluing <laughs> I, how good they are. So he unleashed, please. Yeah, so everyone wants to be an expert. Everyone wants to be a success right now. And they are nowhere near, uh, they don't have the level of experience they need. They're not qualified. They don't have the credentials. Um, so it's like this weird thing where it's kind of like where um, I'm just going to skip med school and call myself a doctor. Yeah. I'm, I'm an emergency physician or I'm, I'm an orthopedic surgeon because I just decided that I want to do that. So that's the title that I gave myself. And there's no policing it right now. There's no regulation yeah. going on where any, any other industry or maybe not, but a lot of other industries, if you try to do that, you get called out right away and there are severe consequences. Now, not so much. You can copy someone's entire identity, make tons of money off of doing so. You can copy someone's entire ebook product, whatever they're doing. And no one will know. No one ever, you, you get to, you get away with everything and it drives me nuts. So I'm like, okay, if I continue down this path, 
there has to be something more that I do that sets me apart from these people. And at this point, master's degree is good. PhD is going to be even better. And there are some questions that I've been wanting to have answered that will have answer, will be answered through my PhD. And anyway, I want I you know I want to change the direction of of my career a little bit right now and move more towards um, less social media heavy and more towards actually contributing to the to the scientific research out there. And this is what's going to do it. So that's that's where I'm going now. And it, you know, honestly, even two months ago, I wouldn't I wouldn't have yeah. been really trying to do this. There's a lot of really good people in the industry. Eric Helms being a good example. Brad Schoenfeld, uh, right, Jason Baker. Yeah. He's all putting out tons of information, quality information in the research realm. And yeah, and they're not necessarily like huge fixtures on social media. I think you've grown to the point and you're aligned with so many powerful people that I think you could actually still pull off both really well. Plus, you have one of the larger social media followings, certainly through Instagram, uh, and, and, and a very dedicated and engaged social media following. Yeah, so that's why. You, when you post it on your social media, the podcast, like, I, I think that's one of the main reasons why it did so well. Right? Well, yes. so, well, you're not as famous as, like, you don't have a million followers, but, like, what's yours at now? Like, it's pretty big. But... I've actually, so interesting thing about that, this is the other frustrating thing. I've actually been stuck there for over a month. Yeah. And I think the Instagram algorithms completely screwed me over because it's never happened before. And I noticed some other, to a few colleagues, it's been happening to a few other people where they're not doing anything wrong. They're not doing anything. To, they've never paid for a follower. They don't use shitty yeah. Instagram growth tactics, but they're still losing followers every day. And thankfully for me, I'm actually staying level. Well, I've actually, I get, I've gained like 300 in a month, which is so low for me. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's ever been like, I don't know. It's really, really frustrating. And that's part of the reason why I want to go back to school now. Cause I'm yeah. like, I don't want to have to rely on, on social media absolutely. growth for my, to depend on my success. Um, so anyway, it's, it's been, that's one of the, one of the things that's been honestly driving me nuts. So, um, yeah, I'm at 165,000, uh, which is, you know, still pretty respectable, yeah. pretty decent. But you know? your interaction yeah. was huge. Like, like I always yeah. bring back to like, I can tell not how famous are, but how engaged your following is just through our podcast statistics, because like sure. you would think higher numbers mean higher listens, but like you threw yours up and it was like, I want to say it was like 1500 within like the first two hours being in that morning yeah. when you posted it. You know, I think That's insane. Is, um, yeah. I think part of it is one, I've been so consistent with my brand yeah. over the years. I always have the same general message. Um, obviously, you know, communicate it in a myriad of different ways. And two, um, and one, this is one thing that a couple of people have pointed out to me, uh, that I wasn't sure people were noticing is that I don't promote a lot of things Yeah. and I'm not a sponsor for any company. I don't do use my discount code. So when I do plug something, I get, I get pretty high conversion rates. Yeah. When I say, listen to this, go buy this, like they do, um, which was something that's really cool to have, to know that I, like that I have that I noticed that even like four years ago. Yeah. When Brett was on a podcast recently, he talked a lot about how he wouldn't put his name behind a lot of things either. So similar philosophy. Yeah. He wasn't interested in, like, there's a piece of equipment he talked about. And he wouldn't take it because he wouldn't turn around and promote it. So he just felt unethical to actually accept the piece. Yeah, and, and, and it's not just that, but, like, I, if I like a product, I like knowing that I'm promoting it because I genuinely like it, not because I signed an agreement that I have to plug it four yeah. times a month. Well, then you have then you're handcuffed. It's it's pretty much like probably your masters, <laughs> but you get handcuffed in like certain ways of doing things if you sign that contract, which then you can't be yourself. Yeah. I honest, I hate obligation. Yeah. I hate like let me plug you because I want to, not yeah. because you're making me. And I also don't need that. I don't need the money either. You know, yeah. I I, I want to make money through other means, not through uh, pushing some other company's product onto people, onto my audience. And I feel like for me, anyway. 
um, and not everyone has to agree, but I think of it, I don't want to water down my brand in that, in that way where every other post is a plug for some product. You know, I don't want to do that. It's a little work So too. I would rather give the majority of my information is free content for your benefit, knowing that the vast, vast, vast majority of my followers will never spend a penny on anything that I offer. Knowing that, um, and still knowing that a good percentage of those people will still convert and actually become a coaching client, buy every ebook, you know, come to a seminar or whatever, things like that. And those type of clients tend to be very uh, lifetime type clients. If people it's around for years. Is the whole, um, I'm not sure where this originates from, but you'll hear this sometimes. All you really need to have a successful career is a thousand loyal followers. People right. will buy anything that you put out. And you right. can uh, a really, really comfortable livelihood on that. So that's obviously a metaphor for what you're just talking about. So, yeah, and I think you've done a really good job of that. And I, I think a lot of your friends, the people you've aligned yourself with in the industry, have done a wonderful, wonderful job of that. Uh, I was going to ask something here now. Sort of to flip this a little bit, because one of the questions we had later, but we're moving around everywhere, was do you think there are dangers in fitness professionals or risks not embracing social media? Because you've embraced it, done really well by it, not just part of it, but now you're talking about maybe shifting away from it being more of your focus. So yeah. what's the danger of just not doing it well at all? I think I think especially in this day and age, you have to have some kind of social media presence, even if it's just I have these accounts, but I'm not super active on them. Because especially now, this is how we find out about each other. We don't have resumes per se. We do, but we rely more on, I'm going to scroll through your Facebook and see what you've been up to and see if I want to hire you. Do I want to collaborate? Let's look through your Instagram. Do I even want to associate myself publicly with you? I'm going to go through your social media, your Instagram. What have you been posting? What have you been putting on your stories? Do you complain about this and that all the time? Do you bitch about other people? Probably not then, yeah. you know? Um, so I think uh, I think it would be, especially for anyone who's trying to build an online career, um, it would be incredibly short-sighted to not have a social media presence in some capacity. You don't have to play the game. You don't have to, uh, in fitness anyway, you don't have to post you know, belfies and wear cute outfits and work all the angles. You don't have to do that. There are lots of other ways to bring credibility. You look at someone like Brad Jonfeld, for example. He does a lot of posting about the research. And um, lately, I think he's recently started to post some infographics as well. And now that's what he's known for. So um, that's one way to do it. And so there are lots of different ways to grow a following. Uh, but the other thing I will say, too, as, as we've seen with Facebook and now it's starting to happen with Instagram as well, you can never fully control yeah. social media. You know, that's not within your – they might decide to change their algorithms. They might – you know, what happened with Facebook, now you have to pay for ads and sponsor your posts to be seen by your regular audience. And uh, and this is, this is a big reason why a lot of people have been saying, you know, you should have a newsletter because that's the one – platform which I very much underutilize so I should maybe take my own advice um, that's the one platform where social media can't get in the way uh, of, of that but I will say I think it's you know I see a lot of people who build up big followings on one social media platform and they are so dependent on the format of that specific platform like Instagram for example to where if Instagram were to go under one day they would have nothing left well that's we kind of talked about that with Eric yeah. just even the expertise behind building a career in real life stuff and going yeah. to school or coaching is that if those things are taken away, you're still a good coach. You're just using yeah. it. You still have to be good in person because social media is just an extension of that. But if there's no extension, like there's nothing in the brain, like that yeah. kind of shows through with the Belfies. Like you can't sell Belfies in person. I mean, uh, <laughs> you okay. can. Oh, 
I think it's smart to have a brand that doesn't depend so strongly on one single social because I can you know I can switch gears to YouTube I can switch gears to and I feel like I'm talking myself up and that's not what I'm trying to do um <laughs> I you know my my brand does not depend entirely mm-hmm. on Instagram it depends on your message and like it, my, and my it, message an informed is message independent of Instagram and Instagram happens to be one vehicle through which I communicate that message and uh so I I, I think that um I don't know if you're just not thinking long term or it just hasn't crossed their minds to where um, relying so heavily on one platform um, is a very high, it's very risky, and I don't think in a good way. Not in, in not in the way that people are commended for. Not like oh, you're taking risks as an entrepreneur. No, no, no. This isn't a not smart risk <laughs> to be taking. Um, let, let's actually switch gears a little bit because we're talking about success and like social media and all this stuff. Yeah. But we kind of want to give some stuff for the trainers who like follow you and your success. I want to kind of emulate that. So, like, what? I guess when people are working with clients and everyday people and their fitness schools, what attitudes and behaviors tend to lead to client success from the trainer end to kind of include? And are there any red flags you look for when setting out to work with someone? With a particular client? Yeah, just like anyone, like just kind of the factors that a trainer can oh, listen to your yeah. message and then do. Sure. Okay. So the, the, so the most important thing for me is I can get a pretty good vibe for whether or not they've actually bought into my message. Yeah. And for me, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I can, uh, kind of pick and choose who I want to work with, which is, which is a nice. very much, a, you know, I'm in a purpose position. I wasn't always like that. Um, but even so you can, you can tell like sometimes people will hire you, but they're not actually ready to change their life. They're actually not actually ready to take a step. So, you know, in terms of like the readiness to change, they're not quite there. And it ends up being this relationship where they're paying you money, but they want you to do what they want to do. So you'll prescribe a program that's completely customized to their needs. It'll totally get them results, but they'll be fighting every step of the way saying, no, 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 I should be doing this instead. I should be doing, these are the calories I should be on. These are the exercises I should be doing. I go, why did you even hire me in the first place? Yeah. Why are yeah. you fighting? Or they're like, oh, I read this Dr. Mercola article. Here you go. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, so uh, I think if they're very resistant to being helped, and that's not always readily obvious, but you kind of get a sense of it pretty quickly anyway. Yeah. Um, they're probably not ready to be helped by you. And I have always said that you can't force someone to want to change. Um, you can't, you can't push them. Uh, a lot of times if you push them, they push back. So what I found is, and people will ask me too, like, how do I get my mom to want to get healthier? How do I get my girlfriend? I don't think you can make them do that. But what you can do is maybe lead by example and, uh, you know, be very positive, open-minded if they ask questions. Yeah. Um, can help them out and otherwise just leave them alone my, my mom uh, like actually what i i do and my mom's gonna hate it but like if my mom gravitates towards something good because like she'll never listen to me but she'll listen to someone else and if i find she had this book written by a phd it was fucking awesome i was like yeah read that that's fucking awesome that guy's so smart and like if she picks up stuff that's good i just reinforce it's like dog training sorry mom but like you reinforce the good behaviors as opposed to reinforcing the shit stuff that people do because they'll, they'll listen to all sorts of shit but reinforce the yeah. good stuff yeah, yeah. Like my mom doesn't lift weights. I don't think she enjoys it. I've always wanted her to, and um, I know that right now, if I were to harp on her, that she would fight back so hard. You know, I'm so he mom. Just leave Yeah. Actually, be healthy and active now more yeah. than. Yeah. But it's not because of you. Like that's what I mean. It's kind of funny. Like you're you're so he Lee. Like you know this <laughs> stuff, and she won't even listen. Yeah. But it's funny because I noticed um, there has to be a psychological term for this. I've been actually looking. 
into this a little bit. Notice where you can be the world's top expert on a certain topic, yeah. but your own family won't listen to you because they see you as their son, their daughter. Yeah. Like I'm the daughter first. I'm the younger, I'm the youngest sibling first. I'm not Sohi Lee who knows a lot about this one topic in fitness, so I should listen to her. It's oh, you're my cute little daughter. <laughs> That's like my friends too. It's like, oh, you used to drink with me at football parties. Like, no, I've I've changed. I'm not a goof anymore. Seriously. <laughs> actually kind of lucky with this so my parents actually do they're, they try to be really fit and active now they're eating better they're always pretty good for the most part i think anyway but uh, they don't lift weights they're not interested in that sort of thing i know my brother listens to these podcasts so he's been sort of sober this up but what i found is that because i'm so all in on this career and they follow my social media closely they actually really are inspired by it and they really like it they're very yeah, proud of this yeah. sort of thing so it is getting into their minds yeah, yeah. i just don't push them on it i just oh good yeah 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 and I let them arrive at this stuff on their own, which it would actually be interesting to find out just from all the fitness pros that we know, just to see kind of how into all the stuff their, their parents and families really are. Because I think, like you said, they don't necessarily see us the way that someone who is a follower no. or a... But I think it takes time, too, because, you know, just in the past six months, I've been writing my brother and my dad's um, custom, Ooh. you know, workouts for the past six months. And that, that to me, is really exciting because yeah. a year ago, they, I don't think they would have asked me. You know? Yeah. Which is sweet because so. you're probably not even charging them. <laughs> Which is honestly, is, are you charging them? Like, honest, because, like, I think there's pain. The pain associated with paying for stuff gets people to do it. Like, if you do it for free for friends, half the time they don't you even do it. Family, no. Yeah. I think I owe my dad more than he owes me at oh, this yeah. point. <laughs> not your mom, though. Your mom, like, she can pay because she doesn't want to listen. You know, you <laughs> is your dad invested in any way in part of your education early on? or Yeah, you're in debt. He probably earned it, so. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things, you, this meme has been getting a little bit of airplay. So it's the, uh, it's like, it's not really just one bite. If you eat the whole slice, Karen, the, uh, hard, oh, swallow, yeah, the hard swallow, yeah. I think they're really funny. They're really poignant. So let's actually give something to our enthusiasts. Cause I feel like lately we've almost been talking a bit more to the fit pros. So what are some of the hardest pills for most everyday people when it comes to nutrition and fitness yeah. and Setting aside the humor and all this, how do you reach those hardest to reach people? The ones really stuck in yo-yo dieting cycles, the quick fix solutions. Yeah. Um, for me, I found that a lot of people who, for me anyway, people who come to me ready to sign up for coaching are usually people I notice at this point who have been following me very quietly for a long yeah. time, either for years or several months to where they've seen enough of my message where I'm saying the same things over and over and over in a thousand different ways, including, you know, trying to make things funny and making visuals and so on. So, but they're like, Oh, okay. Maybe she has a point. Um, this makes sense. What she's saying, I think she can really help. And I've seen some of her testimonials to where I can think she can really help me. Uh, so for me, the biggest thing was when I was a client back in the day with multiple different fitness coaches, <laughs> this sounds really dumb, but it took me a long time to realize that just because I was paying the money doesn't mean I was going to get the results. I had to actually follow the program and not just that, but, um, it's not just about following a program. It's following a program that's actually tailored to you and is, 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 is su suited to your lifestyle to where you can, you can actually adhere to it because there's so many different ways to get the results that you want, whether you have fat loss goals or muscle gain goals or strength goals or whatever. There's so many different ways to get there. And uh, I think what happens with a lot of, um, what a lot of coaches miss and what our clients don't realize is it's not just about doing what's most popular or what's easiest for you as the coach. It's about, 
what is going to get this client to adhere to this consistently? And um, that is, uh, I, I think it takes a skilled coach to figure that out. Yeah. You know, really yeah. paying attention, asking the right questions, reading between the lines, things like that. Um, even knowing, hey, uh, I don't think that loss is the right goal for you right now because here's some red flags that I noticed when you were answering these questions for me. Even stuff like that, because I've had to do that several times before. I'm like, you should not be dieting right now. And um, what was your question again? Uh, well, we were asking about a, how, to, how to reach those hard to reach people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I feel way too strongly. I'm like off going on. No, that's good. This is the good yeah. stuff. Comes. Yeah. So I think for me, it's uh, taking a very multi pronged approach, especially with my, um, you know, again, using my social media platforms too. How can I get this message across? And, um, and Spencer, you know, Dr. Spencer Nodolsky and I have talked about this a lot as well, to where sometimes in saying something, calling someone out directly doesn't always work because mm -hmm. they might take that as an attack. But if I can put something, out on social media, make light of a situation that might be like, Oh my God, that's funny. Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> oh wait, I do that. That then that might be like, okay, maybe, um, maybe you're right. I actually do. I was in denial before. Cause I've had, honestly, I've had clients where, um, and even clients I was very surprised by where I thought they were very honest with me where they'll come back to me months later and they go, Hey, so I just want to let you know that I actually wasn't fully honest with you before about my nutrition. I think I was in denial. I was, there were things I was eating like in my creamer and my coffee and stuff like that, that I didn't want to be honest about. So I was actually eating more than I said I was. Things like that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, being brutally, brutally honest about um, what what it is that they're actually doing in their day-to-day -day lives. It's hard. For, it's really hard for people to admit, and people take very personal offense when you try to insinuate that they are not adhering mm -hmm. to the program. Um, so that, to me, has been probably the, the hardest things. And there's research over and over and over that shows that People underreport the calorie intake all the freaking yeah. time. And, you know, the more overweight and obese people are, the more they tend to do it. Um, yeah, so that's hard. I was going to throw this one out there. So anybody who's a trader who gets the experience of trading multiple people like friends or family members, you are going to have a ton of fun when they get comfortable outing each other behind their backs and telling. Uh, there's a couple of clients of mine who knew each other well, lived together, and – the one who was doing this has made tons of progress is way better now, but I always knew there was that discomfort with being honest about things. So the other one would tell me that she would find like empty cans of pie filling with a spoon in it in her room and stuff like this. Yeah. Like, no, shit like that. Right? I guess it's not funny, but like, yeah, that happens more often than not. Really? And I think the more we uh, get that information out there saying what, like one, this happens to so many people. So you're not alone. Yeah. And Two, this is totally getting in the way of your progress, and this may be the single factor that is preventing you from seeing the results that you want. So you have to be honest with yourself. Um, that can help people realize, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I am very much guilty of this. The peanut butter um, one's a good example too, because like, like it kind of gets over and over again. But this is a tablespoon of peanut butter. But like that, that's almost yeah. like that's like almost the guilty pleasure of a lot of people. And then you kind of do that, like, oh shit, that is me. And they know they were doing it, but it took everyone else to say they were doing it for them to say it yeah. right, 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 right stuff like that can be so i think in that regard social media has been very powerful for getting that kind of information across where it can be very eye-opening and um you know i always talk about portion sizes and even like oats oats and peanut butter are very common diet foods you know and um obviously we have things like rice as well um you know don't and it's, it's funny to me because even back 
back in the day, I didn't even think that, oh, half cup could mean anything. Didn't even cross my mind that it's like, oh, it's much less. But, um, you know, being educated on the importance of using a food scale, being far more accurate with your intake and so on and so forth has been uh, instrumental. And hopefully I can, I I, I and other uh, fitness professionals have helped other people a lot in that regard. Um, Because I know it can be very frustrating when you feel like you're doing everything right and you're actually not and you don't even know it. Something that I strongly about so anyway you're a good person that i will tell clients and followers or people i know to go and actually follow your stuff because of the amount and volume of stuff that you put out into this realm along these lines you're someone i trust who's not going to turn around and be selling waste wraps or it works or this kind of bullshit or detox tea so i know that i can send people go follow sophie's stuff because there's going to be a million things that are going to speak to those people or one thing we're going to talk about next is, uh, you know, your book and the new one coming up. So let's yeah. get, I suppose. Sure. But you can, I, I can't go out and recreate all the stuff for every person. So instead, it's like, okay, this information is already out there. So for anyone who is listening, who's a fitness professional, don't be afraid to share the work of some of the best people in the industry. Those people are, your followers, the people, your clients, they're not going to suddenly go, oh, well, this person's better. I'm going to now follow them. And, and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, these people, it's, it's an abundance mindset. Totally. If you feel confident enough to share the best people in the industry with your clients, your clients are going to realize, wait a second, you know, you're a great resource to get them more than what you can do yourself. Uh, Dean Summers is a really good example. There we go, sneaking him in again, where I, I don't know what this man knows about joints and spinal health and injury rehabilitation. And I am good at this realm, but this guy's in another universe for this stuff. So if I got people who are dealing with extensive injuries, Fuck, go follow his shit because I can't recreate his work. Nor am I going to try. Forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I think that's a very good strategy because you can only be an expert in so many topics. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that uh, obviously, especially, you know, once you get your PhD, then you are definitely an expert in that one little niche, little tiny little topic. Um, but there are also things to me for that to me, like I know, like I know some things about certain topics, but not enough. Like you were saying, Andrew, to want to go learn more about it. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. I just don't care. Like it's not my area of interest. I'll be like, just go to this person, please. I don't want to take the time to educate myself more on this. And I don't have the desire in any capacity. So yeah, I think being, um, being generous with sharing the wealth of information that you have to offer and also that other colleagues in the industry have to offer can only make you look better. And I don't know why people... I, yeah. I, I think there's a very, like, this greedy, uh, you know, scarce, scarcity mindset where if I can't, I'm not I'm not going to tag anyone else because yeah. I don't want them to see other people. But they're going to find out anyway. It's the freaking internet. You can find out anything. <laughs> you can find out anything. They don't live this in this, this hole where you're the only resource to them. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that recommending other people, tagging others liberally um, can only help be a net benefit to everyone. Well, it usually ends up being a net benefit for the person doing it. Like, you know what I mean? I think that the idea that it's not helping them is actually wrong. Because even if you look at the way the algorithm works, you take all those people and they come to you anyways. So it's kind of like being, having an abundance mindset is better for you. Monetary, you can track it. It's better. Yeah. Guys, all I was concerned about was to like hoard my clients to myself. There's no fucking way in the world I would do this podcast every week, having my clients listen to this stuff and follow quite literally some of 
fuck, yeah. we got to count the number of PhDs we had on this. You on basically this just look stupid every week, is what you're saying. <laughs> like, what are you? <laughs> One of my guys who trains with me, he worships Carter good, and he finds Carter really inspiring and like comments on his stuff all the time. He's still training with me, right? So I'm not afraid of any of that. Stuff. My, my wife still listens. Like, Zoe, you've been a secret. I've, I messaged you before. She's like, oh, she saw you doing those big, heavy kettlebells, and we need to get one. But you give a lot of information to my wife who doesn't want to listen to me. So it's like, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, did you see? I, I know your social media based on what my wife tells me. I don't even have to follow That's you anymore. That's so funny. I love, um, <laughs> actually love hearing stuff like that. And I love in particular hearing from other women saying, or like men saying, oh, my wife um, yeah. taught herself how to lift through your social media. Yeah. Or like she bought your book last year and she, she's now lifting four days a week. And I'm like, oh my God, I freaking love the, the, I you know I, I I think social media is very like you know double edged but I yeah. I love it for that reason for sure. Well, there's enough of that, especially like I think you've done a pretty good job of staying out of the shit too, where you can I, just kind of absorb all the good stuff because you you're so far removed. <laughs> well, you just don't get, if you don't get involved in it, you don't have like you're still gonna see it. Like you said, we all see it and it still bothers I see us. It. Yeah, and to me, I'm also very protective of my time. Yeah. And I know if I get involved, that's going to suck off my whole, like my whole week, my whole month is just done. And I'm like, I have shit I want to get done. I have products I want to work on. I can spend more time, my time putting out more good by working on this educational post. I'm going to make a video that's funny, but also calls people out on like their bicycles and tastes or whatever, you know, I'd rather do that. Um, let's, we want to switch over to your book because I think it's good for audience to hear kind of what you got going on. Last time we talked about eat. Life thrive. Sorry, I'm gonna try to get it right. That, that and then, a, yeah. And I then that he he's like Anchorman. He's like uh, Will Ferrell. He'll read it off the teleprompter. So yeah. I typo. Yeah. Did you? Oh, you did. You got it wrong. Fuck. See, that's what I mean. That, that, fuck. We fucked it up. What, okay. What is it? It's so, th- so that one is a published physical book. Yeah. Through Hypnetics. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. That is my. That came out a year and a half ago in June yeah. of 2017. Yeah. And that um. And actually, I've, my brand has continued to evolve since then, but that is, for that time anyway, the embodiment of my brand yeah. and of my quote-unquote philosophy. I don't really like saying that because I feel like I'm not at the point where I can say I have a philosophy yet. Anyway, of my method. Let's say method. Of my method. And right? the new one. Yeah. Sorry, you, you go on. So that one is, um, so my whole point of that one was to cover, the first third of it is nutrition. Yeah. The yeah. second third of it is mindset. And the uh, last third of it is training. So it's kind of everything that I, so I covered a lot of mindset, which I felt like was missing in a lot of different books that I'd read where they either do all nutrition, all training or nutrition and training, but not really mindset or behavior change or lifestyle. So I um, want to cover all of that. So that is um, available for purchase on Amazon. And then this new one is not a book book. I always laugh when I say that. It's not a book. No, it's not an ebook either. It's actually a digital course format. So I am building it on a platform called Teachable, which is a very popular platform for a lot of different like DIY courses, like how teach yourself how to knit and so on and so forth. So this one has um, numerous different chapters where you can, uh, and it you know like tracks your progress as you go through, and you can even like I can even plug in quizzes at the end of every chapter if I wanted to. Where um, I think given the the way I want to present this information, it made so much more sense to do a digital course rather than a PDF, like just one PDF ebook, because I had a lot of uh, different um, how-to videos, instructional videos where I show you. Um, so I'm sorry, the topic is <laughs> you don't even know the topic. Yeah, the topic what is, is this? The beginner's guide to lifting weights for women. 
So I you'll see me on my story a lot of times on my Instagram. I'll hashtag BGLWW. That's what it stands for. Where um, I I filmed I believe close to 600 different exercise demos so far, yeah. and uh, dozens and dozens of instructional videos. So it's going to be a lot of content. Um, just everything that. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's, it's for women, but men can buy it as well. But it's everything that you would want to know to get started in the gym. Well, so, yeah. I, I was going to um, say, what's one thing? So, because we did this with Stronger You Fitness, like the amount of videos and the amount of time it takes is fucking insane. But yeah. I kind of let people know, like, what don't people know or appreciate about doing stuff like that? And especially the time invested in that, because people think it just appears because you're smart. And that's not the well, truth. God, it is so much work. It is. I've been working on this since June and mm-hmm. I'm still plugging away. And. You know, there's lots of things that you wouldn't anticipate happening, like having to fire your graphic designer six weeks in. Then yeah. you have to start over. Yeah. Then it pushes back. You know what I mean? Stuff like that, where you have people have no idea. Like even with like making a simple infographic, they're like, "Oh, that took you five minutes." I'm like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> that did not take me five minutes." All right. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of work, but it, it's uh, not to be cheesy, but it's been very much a labor of love for me. I've been wanting to do this for years, for yeah. years, where. Um, I don't know of a resource out there that goes dives into the level of detail that I even little things like how to pick up a heavy dumbbell. Yeah. That to me or to you might be very obvious that we don't have to think about, but for a beginner, they might be completely rounding over, and that's where that's when they might get hurt. Yeah. You know, not during the set, it's before or after, or like how to uh, how to how to get your plates off a barbell. That's not obvious to everyone. So I th- these are the little things that I like to cover, and I. Um, you know, I, I hear from a lot of different women, you know, I really want to start lifting, but I'm so scared to go to the gym and look stupid by myself. Or like, I, I feel lost. I feel like everyone's watching me. Um, I'm like, okay, how about I give you a program to do at home for now until you build up your confidence in your living room, in your bedroom, whatever it is. And here are some household items you can use. Here's how to drill the hip hinge. Here's how to squat and so on and so forth. So that's the stuff that I cover. Um, so Definitely thought it was going to take, you know, three months to do. It's now a lot longer than that. So basically, you know, take any worthwhile project and like quickly rule the length of time you think it's going to take. And, but it's, so it's probably going to be out later next in the spring. Um, but I am very much okay with it because I want to be a really, really good product. So I'd rather take extra time, make sure it's got everything that I want, the quality that I want to be at. So that's going to be, yeah, all, all online, um, all from your laptop, from your iPad. I don't know to see if it's mobile friendly um but um there's not going to be a physical physical version of it but um i'm really hoping that it helps a lot of people i can anticipate a lot of people buying it for their girlfriends for their moms for their aunts you know um to try to encourage them to finally start lifting maybe if like maybe dean someone like you is like oh well my mom like or my wife like she won't go to the gym with me but maybe she'll listen to you or something you know something like that so that's what i'm hoping it'll be oh i see so much potential for this as a gift in in your life We're actually looking into like the gift card feature of Teachable, which is turning out to be a big headache. So things like this, you'd never think would be hard to do. Yeah. That there's so much involved in pulling this well, kind of stuff. And I, th- I think that because social media and Facebook seems so easy for millennials and all that stuff, like there's no work involved. And I think that's the exact opposite is like, there's so much going on that it's very yeah. hard to navigate and, and mix things together. Like it's not so easy. Like, at all. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many logistical decisions to make. That the end product, when it looks neatly packaged, you go, you don't know how much time it took to even decide on this order of content, like the table of contents, yeah. uh, leaving this topic out, like what level of detail do you want to go into without overwhelming the reader? Do I want to cite references or do I want to leave that out? Like all these different things. 
do, what outfits do I want to wear for my videos? Well, oh, the, redo these 50 videos because I don't like the lighting. Like, one this thing, happens. One thing to touch on for that, though, because we even talked about with people trying to skip steps and try to be famous fast, is that, like, to some extent, it does have to be a labor of love because that's hard work that you, you can't skip those steps if you want to do it right. And you got to really like it and be good at what you do to even attempt to do that. You know what I mean? Because people don't do that anymore. Or I don't want to say they don't do it anymore, but. Yeah, and I think the, 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 the thing that's tricky about social media, too, is if you get if you let yourself get so caught up in building your social media following or um, just trying to make money, uh, what ends up happening is that you don't have enough time or energy to devote to actually learning more and becoming the expert that you profess to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to grow into the expert that you claim to be, that you're not yet. Uh, <laughs> so when you're so busy on social media, you're not learning. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not giving yourself time to actually like read the research and listen to podcasts and stuff like that. So what ends up happening is you spend all this time trying to grow your following, but you're really in reality, just kind of staying still. You're not really getting anywhere. And when you're staying in, in this industry with how fast it moves, if you're staying still, you're falling behind yeah. and you might, you know, I think you might see some success in the short term, but what about five years from now? Where are you going to be when, uh, people, cause you know, things in the industry evolve and change mm -hmm. very, very fast. Um, five years from now, we don't know what's, what's going to be the next big thing. And are you going to be, are you going to be able to keep up with that? I don't know. It's something we asked Eric Helms in, in his episode is, you know, what he thought, you know, future trends would be, he's sort of same answer. Like, you know, you can't predict that sort of thing. And, um, and I, this has come up a lot through different podcasts we've recorded. Excuse me. Doing the basics really, really well, the tried and true stuff, taking good care of people, having yeah, good integrity, yeah. all the stuff you started out about how you, you were successful. That's the stuff that's going to carry people through no matter how technology changes or oh, yes. people consume this stuff. Yeah. So I will say other, the other thing too is I think so many people are so focused on what price should I charge for this yeah. service? Um, what color should my logo be? What which shade of blue do you guys like? Um, should I do this or this or this or this? I didn't have a logo for a few years. Like th th those are the uh, minutia. Um, the more important things are like your knowledge base, your um, what is your brand? What is your message? What is your um, what are your ethics, business ethics? Do you even consider this, or are you, do you only care about making money? Um, so I, I feel like you can. A lot of people don't realize how much success you can actually have without even having a logo. You don't need a slogan. You don't need to have a logo. You don't need to have like a cute little saying. Nothing. Like I think those are such minor details in the grand scheme of things that yeah, they're like the icing on the cake. But you gotta have a cake to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> for the icing to go on. You know, uh, so don't focus on the wrong things, the things that look fun and interesting that may like give off the appearance of, of looking a certain way, but where really you don't have substance. So for me, my measure of whether or not an expert is actually an expert is if I ask you a question about this topic, can you comfortably explain it to me on the spot? Right. And that's, it's really easy to hide that on social media. Um, with like Instagram, for example, where you can take six hours to write a caption and sound smart if you look up this and then that. But if I'm, if we're having a face-to-face -face conversation and I'm asking about something, you can't give me an answer because you don't know how to explain it to me. You probably don't know, really, don't really know your material very well. Right. So I think that's another good barometer. I was going to ask uh, earlier, but I want to slip it in anyway. Uh, did you bring back, uh, our friend Shelly Cook for any of the exercise demos? Cause she was in Eat, Lift, Thrive. Actually, I don't know that I've seen her 
since then. But yeah, I, she was yeah she was a model in in my book, one of four models. Um, myself being the other um, one of them. But no, Shelly, I love her. Totally love her. She's um, she was a client of mine for a long time. I think. Um, how do you know her again? Shelly and I had each other on social media, and then we met in person at Tim Arts Inland Empire. Exactly. Yeah conference last year and I'm planning on I think we're both planning on going against Shelly's great she's super oh total sweetheart yeah she um jumped at the opportunity to be one of the models in my book and demoed the exercises so that was a lot of fun um but I yeah I, I very much like to uh, keep in touch with and stay on good terms with um previous previous clients of mine who are doing good things again for the industry I I, I am such close friends with so many old clients of mine yeah I think there are some people that set these very professional boundaries, almost like they're clinical. And, and I get that to a certain extent, but I think that I, I, so much has been, so much good has come out of getting to know a lot of my clients and my long-term people who yeah. are not active clients of me anymore. Sometimes they still keep coming back sometimes. You're involved for a long time. Like it's, it's, it's it, hard not to be. <laughs> it can enhance your life. And, and there's oh, for sure. And I, and I think it shows that you have, you can maintain those relationships after they're done, like paying you money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows that you care about them, yeah. and you're not just in it for the for the financial gain. You know. Okay. Right. I, no, I want to. We. This is kind of like we'll wrap a question up into like yeah. dogs, because like you yeah. like dogs, I like dogs. Penny's actually sleeping outside the room. She didn't bark this podcast. And you showed us Jelly, your yeah. tiny chihuahuas. That's it's Jelly, right? I don't want to get jelly. Into and then last time we talked about Ollie. So you have Ollie and Jelly. <laughs> Um, but this kind of leads, <laughs> this kind of leads to like the larger question of like, I guess why it's important not to just build your life around fitness and nutrition yeah. and include things like yourself, your pets, your friends, pursuits, sure. hobbies, and kind of, can you talk about that? Especially for people who are like enthusiasts trying to think that fitness and nutrition are the only way. Oh, I think you're so one dimensional if that's all you have going on in your life. Yeah. Uh, and one, I don't think you're very happy. Um, but also like, it's really hard to relate to people if that's all you do. Cause I think, you know, obviously having social relationship is an important part of, of your own happiness and your own well being. So can you go out to a restaurant, meet some new people and talk to them about stuff besides lifting and macros? Can you, can you do that? And obviously for your own stuff as well, like for me, I love that I have another passion of mine that has nothing to do with fitness. I love it. And I love that I can share it on my platform and other people, they're like, this is the best thing on Instagram. You know, it's just nice to, I think it shows a different side of me that it's just not like, I'm all about squatting and deadlifting and hip thrusting. Like, um, so that's definitely good. I'm I'm not saying you have to show every aspect of your life by any means, but for me, I found for one, like it also allows you to be a lot more creative to think outside the box. Cause you know, like you talk to someone who doesn't work in your field and you're explaining something to them and they're like, oh yeah, like this. And you're like, oh my God, that's a great idea. You know, how many times have you thought of gotten ideas, um, doing something or talking to people that's completely outside your area? You know, yeah. um, I think it's important to not stay within your tiny little box of, of, of fitness. Um, there really is so much more to life than just looking a certain way or lifting a certain amount of weight or uh, what are the macros of this meal. And uh, I think taking a step back and realizing um, yeah, there are things that are honestly like in the grand scheme of things way more important. That's and heresy. that's heresy, sacrilege, no. <laughs> but like it adds to that stuff. Like you you, yeah. you dive deep into stuff, but like that's that whole idea of having those things makes your fitness and your weight loss and your whole journey that much better because you have yeah. that. Yeah, it'll it helps prevent burnout too. 
I'm not just doing fitness all the freaking time. Like, especially lately, um, and I got away from this for a while where I was working seven days a week, but I've really made an effort to take some time off, especially over the weekend to just go do other things and, uh, uh, like just be away from my phone for several hours, go do something fun. Um, like, you know, drive an hour and a half to go pick up jelly, uh, stuff like that. Like spend it, you know, back when I, before I adopted her, I was spending hours, you know, on different adoption sites looking for, <laughs> looking for a rescue. Cause I had been wanting one for a while, stuff like that. Like that's me, that makes me happy. And, um, so I like being able to switch between tasks. Like, okay, I'm gonna look after my dog for an hour and then I'm going to go back to work for a little bit. And then I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I love it. What was Jelly's adoption profile? Like. You know, they always write those little stories. Did, did the adoption profile have like, oh, I'm Jelly. I like long walks on the beach, but my okay, legs so are small, so I can't go that far. That's funny. So she had, she and her brother were both up for adoption. Um, her name was initially Skylar, but I had thought of her, I had thought of her name like five months ago, even before <laughs> she ever existed. She's only 10 weeks right now. Um, she was this tiny little thing. Um, all, it was just, the, her description was actually not, it was just pretty oh. normal. Oh, I'm a little chihuahua. I'm I'm very sweet. Please adopt me. Um, so I emailed the rescue and I said, Hey, um, how how old is how old is Skylar? Um, how big is she? How big do you think she'll become? Like I asked a few questions and they go, Oh, you know, we we think she's about four pounds and this and that and that. Um, she turned out to be like two pounds at the time, like way smaller. Yeah. And uh, I said, Okay, can I arrange a meet and greet? And, you know, you have to go through this whole adoption process where you fill out a form. Then they have to like for me they had to FaceTime me to so Ooh. I could they could see my home. I like they that. do a home visit, you know, a home visit to make sure that you're not some creep yep. who's gonna, you know, be a bad parent. Absolutely. And then from there, and I think I was one of the first people to apply because there was a whole like waiting list. So they actually gave me the first basically gave me first dibs on her. And I let them know like I'm changing her name, like this is her new name. And <laughs> uh, I drove out to Temecula, which is an hour and a half away from me. Uh, on a Sunday afternoon, to a little over two weeks ago, to pick her up, and um, I could not. Be- when I drove, I could not believe how tiny she was. Like I, I had in my head like how big I thought she was, and it's like half that. Yeah. I was just completely in love, like right away. I was, I was like actually crying. I was so happy to see her, and I brought Ollie with me. You know, my other yeah. pug, who's um, six years old. I brought him with me because like, obviously they have to do a meet and greet, make sure they get along, and it's really funny because he is like pretty indifferent to her even yeah. now. Um, I think he's a little bit annoyed that another dog is now in the mix yeah. and now picked up my lap spot, but he's like very slowly coming around, but it just cracks me up. Um, but you know, it's been a lot of work. You know, I used to foster dogs yeah. and so much work, especially when they're so babies. Much work. Um, yeah. If they have separation anxiety and, or if they're not potty trained, the potty training is obviously the hardest part. You cannot take your eyes off them. You cannot. They ruin your house. Um, it's been a lot of work, but I honestly, I just, I love it. I, it makes me, I'm like, Oh my God, she, she peed on the pad. I'm so happy right now. You know, little things like that just like lights up my life. <laughs> you never get the, I, I talk about this all the time, like with my wife, but like you, the puppies, like the puppy weeks are so awesome. Like that first like three or four months when they're just like, they don't know anything. <laughs> they're, they're like, I was saying, I think the other day I was saying they're cute because they don't even, they're not even trying to be cute. They just are. Yeah. And that's what I love. Yeah. <laughs> So the good thing is you have something outside of just being a master's and smart at this stuff yeah, yeah. and fitness. You got a life, is what you're saying. All right, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you got so, another. You got two pillars instead of one. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, your life is not entirely caught up in macros, but all these other people are. Master- I don't. I haven't counted macros in over three years, actually. Yeah. There See, that's go. good. That's good. 
like that's exactly the kind of me- but like you're living that too and that's kind of sure. what no one else does place that i never thought i'd get to yeah you know, I've been, I don't know if you want to call it intuitive eating or mindful eating or what, whatever it is. I think mindful eating is a more appropriate term because I'm uh, not honoring my personal preferences all the time. Otherwise, I'd be like 30 pounds heavier. Um, but that's a whole discussion for another time. So I think mindful eating is a more apt apt term for what I've, what I've been doing. And I think um, for a long term, I think, especially if you're just maintaining at this point, probably a more appropriate uh, method rather than strict macro tracking and food scaling and using an app and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's great to be able to get to that point. You, yeah. you I talked about this when you presented here in person about intuitive right. eating and, you know, I don't think you're in love with that term, but I've always thought of myself as an intuitive eater where I feel like I can auto-regulate based on my goals, the amount of food that I'm eating. So right. I think it's something that I can do fairly naturally, but I have to remember that not everybody else does. So it's really important not to fall. Right. So it comes yeah. easily for you. And I think this is one of the, um, think a lot of people, a lot of fitness money people miss is that just because it's easy for you or obvious to you doesn't mean that it is for everyone else. And in fact, we are probably in the vast, um, this very small minority of the population to where this stuff is easy. Yeah. And everyone else, like the, part of why I'm, 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 I'm working on this product for the, for lifting is, um, you know, I taught myself how to hip hinge. I taught myself how to deadlift, but just because I can doesn't mean that everyone else has the same body awareness to, to do that on their own and things like that. So um, intuitive eating, and I'll say this over and over, is a skill. Is a skill that's a pretty advanced skill that we know when we're babies and then we kind of unlearn and then we have to relearn as adults, especially once you start dieting. And, you know, dieting almost and, um, by definition, you have to uh, not listen to your internal hunger instead. Mm-hmm. You have to ignore that. So that can really mess things up. And especially if you have some eating issues, you know, like bulimia or like anything like that can really complicate matters a lot. So being able to um, get back in tune with how do I feel physically and so on and so forth um, takes time. Even if you're like, I think macro tracking is great for a lot of reasons. And I do it with most of my clients. Uh, it's great for dieting in particular because it allows you to be far more accurate. But um, almost by definition, you are required to not pay attention to how you're feeling. It's more paying attention to what is my app telling me I have left to eat. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, yeah. The world that we live in now is not the world that we we're designed from an evolutionary standpoint to live in. Yeah. We are biologically and psychologically wired to not to, be huge in this environment. Like it's very hard to handle this world where hyper palatable food is in every freezer and supermarket. So yeah, it, it, people do actually have to like realize, okay, I can't just eat the way that I feel like I want to. And that's what's got a lot of us. Like, it's more complex than that. But it's got our society. We control. shouldn't even talked about it at the very end of the fucking podcast is what we're all saying. <laughs> like, it's a... no, Honestly, intuitive eating, I think there are a lot, there's this whole little anti-diet crusade out there, which I understand the point of what they're trying to do, but I also think it puts a bad spotlight on, puts a bad, gives, a, gives dieting a bad name to where they think dieting is inherently a bad thing. And I don't think that at all. If you want to shed some body fat, for the right reasons, using the right method, go for it. Definitely go for it. Most of my clients are fat loss clients, and I will happily help you get there. Um, but if you don't want to shed body fat, that's also great too. But I think to shame people who do or don't want to lean out or whatever, I have a huge problem with that. And with intuitive eating too, we all say like, oh, I'm an intuitive eater. You're not an intuitive eater if you are making yourself eat protein when you don't really want to. That's me. Yeah. You know, I, I make myself eat 30 grams of protein at least at every meal. I don't really love protein. I make myself do it because I know it's good for my body comp. That's not, by definition, that is not intuitive eating. Yeah. You know? So, well, we, anyway. Oh, well, you talked about your book. And, of course, we always ask everybody. And I was thinking, of, you've been, like, so busy with everything, your academia, your work, all that. 
It's like, I'm not even sure you've had time to read anything in the last year since we've talked on, on air, but you know, is there a book maybe in that time frame or just something in general that you've read that you're like, Hey guys, you guys really should read this. This changed my uh, life. Okay. So I haven't finished reading it, but I know you have, um, friend and colleagues, James Clear, his book, Atomic Habits, yeah. which I think is now a New York Times bestseller. And he's, Ooh. he's actually been one of the guys who's been very consistent with putting out content over the years. Um, so he, uh, published a book, Atomic Habits, which is, I was actually just listening to a podcast about his book just yesterday on my drive back from LA. And, uh, it talks all about behavior change, which is my, totally my jam behavior change, how to actually, uh, Get yourself to change your lifestyle in a way that it, it sticks, you know, and uh, he has a way of writing. I think writing is such a valuable skill. He has this rare ability to write about things in a, such an easy to understand manner that I think anyone will totally enjoy reading it. So that's the book that I would for sure recommend reading. And he, he's really good at digesting the research, too. So it's not just him just flying by the seat of his pants. It's actually based on uh, valid, legitimate research um, to back up his claims about behavior change and so on and so forth. So um, I think no matter what field you're in, if you're trying to help people, this is a book you should read. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got James scheduled for a podcast in the new year. He's so busy. We have to push it back. I'm sure. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, no, he's great. I remember when uh, I met him the same time I first met you in Kansas City, like almost two years ago. Yeah. 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 And uh, so that was really cool. He's a really awesome dude. Uh, it's like you said, it's one of the easiest books to read that I've probably ever gotten into. If anyone's a fan of The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg or another, another one of my favorites is uh, The Slight Edge by uh, a guy named Olson. I feel like it takes the concepts of those two books, makes them much, much, much more accessible. And it's actually not a very long book. So if you do it in audio form, you can get through it pretty easily in a week or less, depending on how fast you listen to it. But guys, really, really great book. Especially if you don't read a lot and you're looking for something that would be an easy way to start, it's one of the best. Right. And, and then when you you read his examples, his analogies, you're like, that is so easy to understand. The way that he presents information is great. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to, where do we find you? But like, they kind of already listened to last podcast, but for people who are new yeah. and kind of coming here for the first time and who didn't use your swipe up function to get here, um, what's the best way that they can find you and see how to work with you and find all your products? All my, everything I do online is, is so he fit, so he fit.com, Instagram, so he fit, Facebook, so he fit, Twitter. I don't actually don't have Snapchat, but I never got on Snapchat. Um, I, I have the name, but I've never actually posted. I don't even know how it works. So don't find me on Snapchat. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and you can also, um, I'm actually not the greatest at answering messages, direct messages, um, as you guys know, um, Facebook and Instagram, I just... You probably have a million of them. You have like 100,000 followers. I keep myself busy with like emails and other stuff too. Yeah. So please email. Instead, you can use the contact form on my website, or if you're not hearing back from me, definitely use that, because um, if not myself, then my assistants will get back to you. So that's how you can find me. Um, I'm very active on Instagram in, in particular. So I'm posting, you know, almost every day. Um, so that's that's where I am. We really appreciate your time. You know, at this point, I often make some sort of reference to how, you know, we choose our guests very, very carefully. There's a really good reason. Uh, it wasn't clear if you're listening to this episode uh, to anyone listening. So he's been someone who I've uh, looked up to and followed very closely for a very long time. And you've had an influence on my career. And I don't say that about a lot of people. And what I found is after your episode, <clears throat> a lot of people that I know did start following you who hadn't up to that point. Mm -hmm. And 
if you're someone listening right now who you're not following her, go check go check out Zoe's work because it is really that high quality. Um, if you have someone in your world, maybe maybe you're someone who it doesn't speak to. Maybe you're a guy who it's like, oh, I'm all about getting jacked. Yeah, you know, yeah. number one, you could probably learn a bit about hip hinging. You probably suck at that. But uh, yeah. Your mom or your girlfriend or your sister probably would really love this shit. So you're the most you know, recommended person because it's so easy. It's like we have a lot of good guests, but it's just like someone all like, especially with the females, they're like, oh, what about? I'm like, Zoe, like just just get away from me, like Zoe. And that, that's a good thing. Like, I mean, I know that you're gonna take care of people with just even what you're putting out there. It's easy. And if you listen to me talk, you get to hear me ramble yeah. and get heated about certain topics. <laughs> oh, it's great. Like, that's actually the best part is that you have something to say, which, like, uh, like it's, and it's not tailored. It's like, you're going to tell us. <laughs> like, well, I'm sorry if I was, I, I talk very fast, too, when I get excited about things. So that was probably me, all like, all of this episode. So you guys can slow down the audio if you need to. <laughs> no, it's okay. They're already used to hearing me. So they're kind of, okay. they, okay. they don't speed up podcasts with me because I talk fast. So yeah. I already eliminated the fact that no one's listening on 1.5 times because they won't hear anything. So it's right. I don't know how to talk slower. It's a problem yeah. of mine. Coffee. I <laughs> yeah. definitely coffee. Guys, thanks so much. So he, thank you so much for coming back. We really appreciate it. Hang around for a second. We'll chat off air. And thanks so much. Everybody else, if you didn't get it in the intro, uh, share this thing. You know, like share it with someone that you know. It's a good put way on, for us to reach. Big one is put on your Facebook stories. That one tends to catch fire pretty good. Anyways, yeah. 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 Stories. Cool. Peace out, guys. Thanks, guys. Shut up and sit down.